The Free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. This is Andrew McLennan. It's been said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and throughout church history this has been true. But for those involved in persecution, it's horrible. The suffering is real, the death is real, and the destruction is real. And right now today, we are seeing such a crisis unfold with Armenians suffering horrible persecution. We have a special guest with us today, Jordan Scott from Open Doors, who's going to tell us what they're hearing about what's going on in that situation now. Jordan, welcome. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Jordan, tell us what's going on with these Armenian Christians at the moment. Yeah, so on the 19th of September, Azerbaijan, which is a country in Central Asia, launched a military offensive and regained control over a region uh, called Nagorno-Karabakh. And this essentially destabilized and displaced the predominantly Christian Armenian population in Nagorno-Karabakh. So 100,000 refugees have fled Nagorno-Karabakh out of a population of 120,000. So that's a huge exodus um, from Nagorno-Karabakh into Armenia for fears of increased violence and persecution um, under the new Azerbaijani rule. So where they 100,000 have fled from, were they self-governing or were they just part of another nation state? What was going on there? Were they the leaders of that place or they were just living there? Yeah, so they were a self-governed independent region, uh, which was primarily, predominantly um, an Armenian population. So that's 97% Christian in Nagorno-Karabakh. And they were this um, their own independent region within Azerbaijan. So they weren't under Azerbaijan control. Uh, they were their own independent um, region. And so now that Azerbaijan has taken over Nagorno-Karabakh, um, it's now under Azerbaijani rule. And because of the new change in leadership, um, uh, which is very, very unfortunate for the, the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. Um, they're fleeing to Armenia for their, their, for their safety and for fears of ethnic cleansing. Um, unfortunately, um, there's just a real breakdown of trust between Armenia and Azerbaijan because of ongoing conflict between the two nations. Um, and what Azerbaijan has called reintegration, the Armenian president is interpreting as ethnic cleansing. So um, there are fears of ethnic cleansing. There are fears of increased violence and persecution. Um, so, yeah, we're seeing a mass exodus out of Nagorno-Karabakh for that reason. And are there reports of violence already taking place? Yes, unfortunately, the, um, the the actual takeover itself was quite violent. There have been a lot of civilian ca- casualties um, as well as displacement. Um, but yeah, I think the primary the primary fear um, is of the the ongoing safety and concerns of well being and well being of Christians uh, in the region in the the months and years to come. Yeah, and was there a military struggle when the takeover occurred? Were there defence? force personnel trying to resist the takeover or did it just happen and people just started evacuating? 
Yeah, there was um, some defense, but it was a surprise attack. Uh, It's been disputed over the years with Armenia controlling that area and Azerbaijan controlling that area. So it's been a real ongoing struggle between uh, the two nations for a long time. So there were fears that it could flare up again. Um, So in in that sense, there was some some sort of defense. But Azerbaijan has recently, um, uh, especially over the last 10 years, received a lot of funding from Turkey and they've slowly been building up their um, their ammunition. So um, really, when it came to it, there was uh, not much of a struggle between Nagorno-Karabakh and um, and the Azerbaijani um, military. It was uh, a really quick takeover, um, almost in a night, that led to a, an almost immediate ceasefire. Um, and yeah, it, it, it all happened very quickly. Just terrible. And has there been any international response or any nations or even NATO trying to intervene and bring stability back to this? Yeah, so the UN arrived uh, on Monday to assess the situation and they said it's pretty much like a ghost town. Um, Most people have already fled. Uh, As I mentioned, 100,000 out of 120,000 people have already left Nagorno-Karabakh. So um, the the real humanitarian crisis will be with the refugees that are now in Armenia. Um, so there, I, I know that there's been some UN support, um, and I'm sure um, uh, they're expecting an international response to be able to support the new influx of refugees that have now entered into Armenia. Yeah, and is there any word yet? Where are these people living? Are they living in camps, or have a lot of them got distant relatives that they're able to stay with, or have the Armenian people open up their homes? Because that's a lot of people to be displaced, isn't it? It is a lot of people. At this stage, they, most of them are in, um, in camps or on the road. Um, it has only been recent. So I think there are a, a bunch of um, uh, temporary camps that have been set up um, and people are doing the best to, to feed them and support them and give them the basics um, in Armenia. Uh, Armenia is a much safer place for them to be at this stage. Um, yeah, so we're just watching this space and watching to see what, what the international response will be. Yeah, and have you heard any firsthand accounts yet from survivors of this exodus and the stories that they're telling or they haven't yet started filtering through? Yes, we had uh, two church leaders from Azerbaijan, actually, that have appealed for prayers. Um, I think that the Azerbaijani Christians are really uh, feeling the weight and depth of what exactly has happened um, to in, in Nagorno-Karabakh. They're very devastated and um, they, they've said that we need to pray for peace, um, that the Lord would stop the war. And this is really sad. Um, they said every neighborhood has dead soldiers, even among our relatives. Now civilians are leaving the area. That's what one of the pastors said. Um, another pastor said, um, well, most importantly, we pray that the conflict will be fully resolved, that there'll be no more bloodshed. There are a lot of victims. Uh, please pray for these families, that the Lord will comfort them. So, yeah, just really request for prayers um, from from uh, church pastors in Azerbaijan who are no doubt feeling the absolute devastation um, that that their their brother their Armenian brothers and sisters are now feeling, um, having had to up and leave everything that they have have once known and and their homes and families and everything. Everything, um, and now go uh, without food, without safety. I'm uh, not sure what the next step will be. So, yeah, it's it's very devastating and, and needs our prayers. Yeah, and it sounds like there was an armed struggle there if the pastors are reporting dead soldiers on the streets. 
and I hate to say it, but there was probably um, other collateral damage as well with innocent civilians being caught up in that fighting. So it's a it's a horrible, horrible situation, Jordan. Yeah, it's really terrible. Um, and just a reminder that when one per- part hurts um, in the body, we all hurt. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's difficult to see stuff on the news and, you know, we do kind of get numb um, to just the, the the pain of the world and the, the devastation on the news. But um, this one for me was a reminder to just lean in and um, and and actually feel the pain um, and pray for real um, for, for these um, I- these innocent people who now have to begin a, a new life in um, in a new country. Yeah, I mean, it just I just think of that um, verse in Revelations chapter 6, which I'm sure you know very well, working at Open Doors, that um, it's in verse uh, 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. And they called out in a loud voice and they said, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until a full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. And, and that's the book of Revelation. And like you said, this is the story of, our, of the church. But these are our brothers and sisters, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. That That's a hard um, but true truth to come back to and um it's just a reminder that in our in our lives persecution won't necessarily decrease it increases every year um every world watch list that uh that open doors produces we see an increase in uh, numbers of persecution um certain countries get higher and higher every year um but but that doesn't mean that god isn't moving in the midst of it um so yeah we can we can um continue praying for him to continue to grow his church as you said um you know the the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church and where there is persecution there's also um incredible fruit and growth in a mysterious way so um it's a it's definitely an invitation to pray and continue um uh, contending for our brothers and sisters uh even in their suffering yeah, and it's easy for us to say that in the West, oh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. But for those caught up in it, it involves real trauma, real pain, real suffering. Do you remember that story of those uh, American missionaries who went down to South America after World War II? I think one of them was a pilot, and they were reaching an unreached people group, and they landed their small plane. They made a movie about it called The Edge of the Spear, I think. Do you remember that story? No, I don't. Yeah, and it happened in the, I think, late 40s, early 50s, and they're good Christian men with families, and they eventually landed a little plane on this beach, and they started giving out, you know, food and gifts to the natives there who had never, you know, heard the gospel, never really encountered white people before, and it looked good for a while. But uh, one day, the, the locals, the natives, just turned on them and killed them all with their spears, and they all died. But oh. the amazing story about that is that uh, the son of one of those uh, men killed he went back into that tribe and he lived with them for years as a missionary and i think his mum did as well and they reached these people for jesus and there was a great harvest of souls but you know the, the reality is that, that that little boy lost his dad you know and so his pain was real but um the church grew the church grew and this is the dichotomy or the the this is the dilemma that we're facing right now but yeah people suffer and people die, and it's and it's horrible. But like you said, mysteriously, the church grows and the kingdom advances. 
Oh, well, yeah, what a story. You know, this is the the miracle for me of being close to the persecuted church and, um, you know, just reading a story from Ethiopia of um, a family who uh, they take holiday bread to their neighbours um, at Christmas time because they won't come over to their house. And after years and years of bringing this holiday bread and loving their, their persecutors, their extremist neighbours, um, their neighbours started coming over. And now they say it's like they're, it's like our home is theirs. Mm. Um, they've actually just over time just loved and loved and loved their extremist neighbours. Um, and it's slowly starting to change their, their situation in Ethiopia. Um, and they just they take seriously the command to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and they show love in action and it it's it's a it's a great encouragement to me um to live that way here um even though we don't have the same levels of persecution uh by any means but um to look around and see um to love people who are different to me uh, is a is a great challenge and encouragement from from our persecuted family Amen. And so obviously now, Jordan, what we can do for our brothers and sisters, the Armenians, is we can pray. And I think that's what you're calling on people to do, isn't it, just to pray? Yes, absolutely. To pray for Nagorno-Karabakh, um, to pray for those who have fled the area, um, that they'd find a safe place to live, uh, and obviously that um, our beautiful God would be with them in their distress. Um, we also want to pray for the Christian community that remains in the area, the, those who have stayed, the, the 20,000 Armenians uh, who now still live there, um, that, that God would continue to preserve them um, and strengthen them, and also pray for God to intervene in the government and the, the international decision-making, that um, there would be justice, and uh, especially that that the Armenian government um, would continue to, to show love uh, and care for those who have been um, uh, refugees to their nation. So, yeah, we can definitely pray. Um, and if you want to stay in touch with what um, uh, Open Doors is doing and the way that, um, uh, you know, want to stay up to date with the, the latest news from the persecuted church, uh, you can find us on Instagram. It's at Open Doors AU. Uh, so you can see us cover um, some of these things and, and stay close to what's happening in the global church. Excellent. So that's at opendoors.au on Instagram, correct? Yep, at opendoors.au. Um, at opendoors.au. No, yeah. Sorry, no dot. Yeah. At opendoors.au. Well, Jordan Scott, I want to thank you again for joining us today and keeping us updated with the persecuted church all around the world. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Always great to chat with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.